That's right, welcome back to Rugby World Cup today, brought to you by Kubota, shaping and building Australia and New Zealand. A jam-packed weekend of Rugby World Cup action is just around the horizon with six games set to go down between tomorrow and Monday morning. Non bigger though than that All Blacks vs Italy game tomorrow in Lyon. The anticipation for this game has been building all week. The build-up has ticked all the boxes and the stage is set for what should be an intense and interesting game to watch as All Blacks fans, with many echoing the statement that a big performance is needed from the boys in black in order to show that we are genuine World Cup contenders. I'm heading to the game myself this weekend. Of course, I'm starting the four-hour drive to Leon after the show and I can't wait to get there and soak up the atmosphere. We've been told that Kiwi fans are arriving in massive numbers for this game, so I'm expecting plenty of All Blacks fans in the crowd for what is set to be our biggest remaining challenge in pool play before a possible date with the high-flying Irish or our old foes, the Springboks. Of course, that formidable side from South Africa. But before we dive deep into the All Blacks camp, there's plenty going on in the World Cup, of course, so let's cover off the latest news from around the grounds. Then we've got Jimmy Marshall joining us from Christchurch to give his opinions on this all-black side. We'll have our breakout river meets, breakout performance, and finally, a preview of the other big games ahead and coming up this weekend. So let's get into the news. And of course, last night's game, Japan vs Samoa, definitely lived up to the hype, delivering a fast-paced, dramatic, and high-scoring encounter with 50 points scored in total, and Japan holding on late to come out victors. 28 points to 22. Here's some highlights from the SENZ coverage. Three metres out from the Samoan line. Japan hot on the attack. Chance here. Try scored. What a run from Japan. What a run from Lameki. And Labuskakni gets the try. The open side flanker. Super backline play. Matsushima cut down five short. They stay left. Still numbers. Over the top pass. Michael Leach is in. That is some kind of try, Japan. Double blow on the whistle, but celebrate this moment first and foremost. What a play. They swept to the right, they swept back left, and Michael Leach got the final ball and dived over in the corner. Middle of the line out take from Stephen Luatua. Now they try to drive Samoa. They have a numerical advantage here. If they can make this work, it's looking good for the Samoans, and the backers say Lala Lamb scores. Huge moment in the match that the Bunnings scoreboard reads 17-8. Half time in Toulouse. To the left they go, but it's all short and sharp at the moment. Now McFarlane got the offload away. Just short of the line. There it is. There's the try. Duncan Paiowa puts Samoa back in the hunt. Malolo took the quick tap. They're lining up here. Samoa right under the horns. Now out left, a little wider, short, no, try is scored, there it is, that's the first, Christian Lealiafana on the veteran, scores for Samoa. Manu Samoa, two inside Japan's half, need to win the lineout, and it's been stolen by Japan. Time up on the clock here, Nagate surely just has to put it into touch, Matsuda does just that, and Samoa, as brave as they have been in the second half, Falls six points short. Japan are still in the running for a quarterfinal spot. Manu Samoa, it won't be their tournament. 
So huge result for Japan there, holding on to beat a fast-finishing 13-man Samoa side, a real nail-biter. You'd have to think Samoa's ill-discipline probably cost them that game with Ben Lamb's yellow card being upgraded to a red, and fair enough too. But that win has pushed Japan right up into second in Pool D, and it'll set up a massive final game for them against Argentina October 9th. The winner of that game will advance, and no doubt Japan took a load of confidence from that performance. Can they pull off the win? and advance to the knockout stages. I'd love to hear your thoughts and early predictions on this game because she's set to be a doozy. Double eight, double three is the text line as always. Let me know. Do we reckon Jamie Joseph's Japan can push on through to the knockout stages? Jumping across to the Wallabies, and of course there's always news coming out of their camp with assistant coach Pierre-Henry Brokan claiming that South Africa's departure of their sides from the Super Rugby has really hurt the Wallabies' performance. Have a few quotes from him. He mentioned that Super Rugby before COVID with the South African, Japanese and Argentinian teams was a big competition. But when you have them, when you don't have those teams, sorry, in the comp, the standard and the level has dropped. And as a result, he believes that Australia's performances have dropped as well. And while I do think there's a lot of in-house issues with Australian rugby that they can clean up to help improve their performance, I can't help but agree that the exit of South African sides in particular has been a real detriment to the Super Rugby competition. I also believe it's hurt New Zealand standards as well, just because playing against the physicality that those South African sides bring week in and week out is the ultimate preparation for Test Match footy. I was pleased to see the other day, it was mentioned that the Argentinian side, the Jaguares, may well be rejoining in 2025, and I think that could have a massive result on the strength of Argentinian rugby as well, because I think their loss from the competition has really hurt them over there. And then finally, your last story for your news and World Rugby has said that France's Anton Dupont is able to wear a mask if he is able to lace up for France. They've said it can be only five millimetres in thickness. And while France haven't come out and said that that is exactly the plan and that he will play, this is a massive boost for them. You'd have to think a quarterfinal set up against either Ireland or South Africa they need Dupont there. He's the best player in the world. And if the French are to have any chance in advancing, they need their little maestro, the number nine there, pulling the string. So that's us for news. We're going to cut to an ad break now. And once we come back, we'll have the great man, James Marshall, out of Christchurch. Welcome back to Rugby World Cup today. As always, keen to hear your thoughts throughout the show, so jump on the blower 0800 150 811 or text through to 8833. But now we've got one of the greats, of course, he applies his trade down in Crusaders territory where he's the assistant coach and, of course, the host of the Waterlad Rugby podcast. He's a keen footy head, so I'm keen to pick his brain on this game coming up. But first of all, Jimmy, mate, cheers for jumping on. Hey, mate, how good to hear you on Sins, mate. Uh, the most iconic voice in uh, New Zealand sport on the radio. How good. 
Yeah, cheers, mate. I'm sure Ian Smith will have a few things to say about that compliment, but I still appreciate it. She's an important game tomorrow morning, mate. Coach Ian Foster, he's named a really strong side. Do you see this team picked as what he believes to be his strongest 23 on form at the moment? Yeah, it has to be really, doesn't it? Like they've only this is their last real test where they're going to be challenged um, before the big quarter final against probably Ireland. So. Um, they've got to go full strength, and obviously Sam Kane's returning from injury. Um, Ethan Blackadder, who, as you know, I, I suspect will be in the 23 at some point, but the, I think they're still being pretty cautious around him. Um, but other than those two, I think they've gone for what they think is full strength. I haven't heard anything of, on the Richie Mo um, pulling up Lane from injury, but you're probably up to date with that one over there. But um, hopefully he's all right, because it'll be interesting to see what they do if he's not... Yeah, I actually uh, saw that, that news article break late last night. I haven't seen anything either, but it did look a b- little bit worrying and the hamstring's not easy to bounce back from, so fingers crossed Richie is okay. But you mentioned four lads there returning from injury, some big names too. Of those four, who are you most excited to see back out on the paddock? Who do you think could potentially have the biggest impact to our game straight away? Well, I think um, I'm excited to see Geordie back at 12. Um, I thought he was playing some awesome rugby at 12 for the All Blacks um, up until his wee injury, but um, he just brings a different sort of um, all-round game he's got. He's a strong carrier. He's physical. He loves the tough stuff. Um, He's got his long kicking game. Even shots at goal from um, distance will come into play, and especially the crunch time. Um, And yeah, it just has all the skills in in the game, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how he goes out there. One of the interesting things for me is that Foster stuck with the dual 10s despite a lot of criticism for Bodie coming thick and fast from many in New Zealand. I know you're a big Bodie fan, mate. Do you think that we're probably in a bit too deep now with this dual pivots and it's too late to mix things up and chuck Will at 15? Do we have to just kind of stick with what we've got? And we all know Bodie's world class, though. It's only a matter of time, really, before he brings back that old form and really hits his straps. Yeah, Bodie is world-class, and I think the things that he offers is the stuff we probably don't see, which is the the comms, um, the organisation. He's getting probably more touches. Well, he has the last two games had more touches than any other player um, in the back line, so he's more involved than Richie at the moment, so he's taking a lot of pressure off him. Um, but, yeah, if you, I reckon if you spoke to Ian Foster about it, I reckon he'd be saying that Bodie's going bloody well. Um, the rest of the public probably not as impressed as um, him but um, like I said there's a few things that he'll be bringing to the group that we're not seeing and we're seeing his kicking game and and I'd be surprised if they also didn't think that he was kicking really well as well Um, uh, when he's hitting his spirals he's getting some fair distance on them, he's kicking a lot um, but I I think that's part of their plan so um, it's probably more how they want to play rather than um, the style but you you know I'd love to see Will Jordan at fullback, they would bring a whole different element to the All Blacks game, but I don't think it's the game that they think will win the Rugby World Cup, so hence why they've stayed with Bodie back there. How good's that most touches stat from you, mate? That's why they pay you the big bucks, but the strength of the bench <laughs> for this game is a huge clash and oh, is a huge 
impact, I reckon, and it's a great blend of experience and leadership as well as youth and razzle-dazzle. You've got your Cammy Roy guard, Damian McKenzie. They've played their way in based off form. Do you think this duo could give us that kind of impact we're going to need in these final stages? Because early on, watching these top sides, your Ireland, France, South Africa, really is the impact of the bench that set them aside from these other teams? Yeah, oh, the bench play a massive part. In, in rugby these days, it's not off, It's not like the old days where you only really get on um, if if there's an injury or the last sort of ten minutes. Guys are using the bench as full-on strategic plays to change the game, and we've seen how South Africa are using it um, quite uniquely, which is cool. And oh, I love the fact that Damien McKenzie and Roy Gard are on the bench. I think both of them add a whole new dynamic. Like if we're chasing a game at any point. And they're the sort of two guys you want to come on who can really open up a game. So I think they've played their way into the position and, yeah, I think they'll be the ones there going forward. Another name on the bench, and he's someone you've really come to know over the last couple of years or so, Sammy Whitelock. What a huge night it is for him. He's set to become the most capped all-black player, overtaking Sir Richie McCaw. What is it about Sam that makes him so special, mate? How how lucky are we to have um, the three locks that we do um, over there at the moment? Mm. To have Sam Whitelock on the bench is uh, just goes to show you how quality the other two are. Scott Barrett's playing um, some of the best rugby um, ever, and um, obviously Brody Rotella he speaks for himself as well. But Sam Whitelock bringing him off the bench is just the most calming influence you could possibly have. He's he loves controlling the situations. Um, when you need it, and um, I'd imagine they'll be getting him on when the, especially in the tight moments in the big games, because you look at him, he's always in control, he's always calm, and he's always delivering the right message. So, um, yeah, how good to have someone like him on your bench. 149 tests is a lot, mate. Funny enough, it's uh, 149 more than me than I currently have to my name, but I'm still working on that. You never know if this Richie Moanga injury is bad. It did bring my boots, so I might get a crack. But Sam Whitelock, to me, he seems like one of those guys where New Zealand fans, or the general public anyway, might not appreciate just how big he has been for New Zealand rugby until he's gone. Of course, he departs at the end of the Rugby World Cup. So how big of a loss do you think he will be, not only to the All Blacks, but also at super rugby level as well? Yeah, mate, he's going to be a massive loss. Anyone who's been there for as long as he has, I mean, what is this, his third Rugby World Cup? He's won, won two of them already. Or is it his fourth? Um, he, he's been around forever. So um, anyone who's been at a place that long is always going to be missed. I don't know how much we're going to miss him here at the Crusaders, um, what he does not just on the field, but off the field around the work with the young guys around the line out and all those little things you don't see unless you're in the environment. He is massive on that. And um, yeah, those are the things that they'll miss. And um, I, I hope he goes out with a bang. It would be so cool to see him um, win his third Rugby World Cup. would be pretty special. A name that a lot of people have been kind of surprised to not see on the bench is the inform winger in Leicester Whanganuku, who I thought had a really strong game against Namibia, and I think he offers us something a little different in our back line. Were you surprised to see Leicester not make the 23, mate, or do you think that's just a result of how stacked this all-black side is? Yeah, I thought he would um, have made it, played his way onto the bench, to be honest. Uh, like you say, he's got that point of difference. He is so strong, so hard to tackle. And if you're needing points, he's got a lot of points in him. I see why they haven't, though, because obviously Rico can push out to the wing 
um, if there is any injuries there and um, Anton Leonard Brown can slip in there. So um, I see why they haven't, but I, I'd love to see him out there. Um, I feel like he's too good to not be even in the 23. He's one of those guys who um, should be playing on the world stage because he's one of those players who, who loves the big stage and always comes up trumps when he's in those pressure moments. Yeah, I agree. He's definitely a potential game-breaker. And speaking of game-breakers, a friend of yours, Izzy Dag, I noticed on SEMZ this morning, he was saying that he couldn't quite understand the inclusion of Damian McKenzie because we already have two first fives on the side, so why do you need three? But how do you think that they might look to inject DMAC? Do you think he's going to come on in the 15 role for Bodie? Do you see this as a straight swap for Richie? Maybe if that hamstring isn't quite 100%. How do you reckon they'll look to use DMAC, mate? Yeah, I'd imagine if um, Richie is touch and go, then DMAC will slot straight in there. But I think what I my guess would be that they'd be chucking him on at fullback. Um, so I think they'll use Bodie's kicking game and organisation and calm head, especially in that sort of first 50, and then sort of get Damien on in that last 30 to just sort of open it up, that um, extra change of gear that he's got and ability to just... Um, take the line on and just play a little bit more Razzley. Um I think they'll be looking to use it like that, but um, I'm just completely speculating here. This is just absolute guesswork, but that's how I see it. Hey, that's when you do your best work as well. Before we let you go, <laughs> mate, let you get back to running that uh, Waterlad Empire down there from your hub in Christchurch. Just quickly, we've seen Ireland now fire some shots. The French have had some strong performances. South Africa, they're right up there in the mix. This, for me, is the game where the All Blacks will look to make a statement. What do you think are kind of the keys to victory, and what do you want to see from the boys to really show that we are right up there with the big dogs and ready for this game against Ireland, a potential game against Ireland, sorry? Yeah, well, I think it's the intensity of the, especially the physicality. That's probably what I've noticed the most from the other sides. You look at that Ireland-South um, Africa game, the intensity of those collisions was just massive. And, you know, you think about watching the All Blacks trying to put them in that environment, whether they would have been able to match that intensity. I'm not too sure, but that's what I really want to see from them tomorrow morning is against these Italians when they're coming at them hard, bringing the physicality as the the All Blacks to match them and go way past them because that's what it's going to take to win this Rugby World Cup. You've got to win that physical battle. Like The breakdown's so important, and I know Joe Smith's so hard on that, like that breakdown, getting two guys in there smoking the ruck fast so they can get quick ball for the backs. And um, That's what we need to see tomorrow, and not just for sort of five, ten minutes, but it needs to be like a full 80-minute performance where you can say, wow, that these guys are... These guys are ready for a quarter final against Ireland because, man, or potentially Ireland, like you say, um, that game, if that happens, is going to be one of the great quarter finals of all time. And prediction time, mate. After that call from that Ethan Blackadder set to join the squad, people are calling you the Oracle. So, what have you got for us? What do you reckon? All Blacks 13 plus, or do you reckon Italy are going to rise to the occasion and really push us? Oh, I think it'll be 13 plus. Um, I th- I'm guessing there's going to be moments in this game where we think, oh, wow, this like start getting a little bit edgy, but I think we'll run away with it in the end. And I'm expecting around a 40, early 40s to sort of 13 type score. So I'm expecting it to be pretty comfortable in the end, but um, I think there'll be moments, especially in that first 20, where it starts to get a little bit twitchy, but I'm just going to have to keep myself calm and know that um, the Oracle's made the call and it's probably going to happen. <laughs> 
That's the one, mate. I certainly back you. Well, cheers for jumping on. Enjoy the big weekend of rugby ahead and uh, look forward to seeing images of you wearing a Portugal jersey. I believe you've just purchased one ahead of their big game against the Wallabies. So go well, mate, and enjoy the rugby. Yeah, I hope they've got a Ronaldo on their team because that's the only Portugal cup I've got. <laughs> Good stuff, Jimmy. Cheers, mate. See you, mate. Well, great stuff there. One of the greats and Crusaders assistant coach, James Marshall, giving us a bit of insight there into behind the, what he thinks around some selections. And, of course, Sam Whitelock, who's set to make history become the most capped all-black ever, overtaking the great Sir Richie McCaw. Now time for your breakout performance, brought to you by Breakout River Meats, 100% Australian meat and proudly supporting rugby union. And my player to watch for this game coming up, this All Blacks game, Jimmy mentioned him there, the great Geordie Barrett, returning from injury to make his first appearance in this World Cup. He's a strong ball runner, he's great defensively, offers an elite kicking game, very strong boot, and I think he's going to be the key to unlocking our back line and also taking a load of the playmaking pressure off Richie and his brother Bodie, and I think that's when Bodie shines as well. So he, to me, is the key to unlocking our outsides and help making our offense hum at the highest level that it can. So hopefully he can free up Rico as well. We know he's got such express pace, but we haven't quite seen it in World Cup time. So maybe the inclusion of Geordie Barrett will help get that done. So Breakout River meets my breakout performer, Geordie Barrett. Proud supporters of local and independent butchers, and of course, the Rugby World Cup. But we're fast approaching 6.30 now, so we're going to cut through to Johnny Mack with your news. Welcome back to Rugby World Cup today, brought to you by Kubota, shaping and building Australia and New Zealand. As always, I'm keen to hear from you, so don't be shy on the text line. Text on through double eight double three and let me know what's on your mind. Maybe your fizz levels heading into this All Blacks first Italy game, but of course it's time now to dive into All Blacks camp and really ramp up the excitement for tomorrow morning's game. As is standard, on the eve of a big clash, plenty of staff and players front the media to talk us through what's been going on in All Blacks camp this week and a bit of an insight into their mindset for the big clash. Scrum coach Greg Feek, he's also running the cutter and he's played against Italy himself. So they caught up with him to talk about what it is like to take on the Italians at a Rugby World Cup. Um, I think that the way they play the game, they've got a style that is very attacking. Um, you know, they want to they want to pressure teams um, and hold on to the ball really well. Um, they, they've got some dangerous players out wide. Um, tactically, they they seem very good, well coached. But one thing that hasn't changed is um, you know their forward pack's always been niggly, and that's one one thing I remember about that game was yeah, you still remember that you played against them, you still felt it, um, and I know. Um, that'll, that won't change um, tomorrow. Greg Feek there talking about taking on Italy, and it's interesting as well, he mentioned he's gone up against them. 1999, I think it was, and the All Blacks actually put on a cricket score, raised the bat 101 points to three, so hopefully maybe the inclusion of Greg Feek in this All Blacks camp, it can rub off on the boys, and we could see a similar scoreline tomorrow 
spoiled that makes for comfortable watching but of course much has been made of this Italian Ford pack this week being the scrum coach Greg Feek he's a great man to talk about the Italian pack here's what he had to say about the side one to eight Greg everybody speaks about Italy's speed but how big a challenge is their pack their forwards all in all in the 80 minutes yes um you know, and they've even gone for a, um, a 6-2 split, so they've, they've really stacked it up, and their bench looks really strong. Um, I think we're prepared, we're, we're prepared as best we can, um, I think, for what's coming, and we know um, the first 20 minutes, I think there'll be a, it'll be a good match-up. It'll be a physical contest, as, as usual, and I think uh, there's, a, there's a couple of guys in there. Uh, I think Hami is a hook on the bench that some of the other boys know, um, so there's a little bit of you know, understanding how some of the boys work too. So that's it's going to make it really uh, interesting from my point of view anyway. And I do expect it to be a physical start. Obviously, so much is made of Italy's ruck speed this week. They're generating the quickest ruck ball in the tournament so far. So clearly the All Blacks have highlighted that and they'll be looking to bring the physicality in the forward pack to hopefully slow down some of that Italian ball. Also, Feek mentioned he thinks the first 20 minutes the Italians will start fast. I do think it'll be a tight contest for that first 20, but hopefully in the 60 after that, our class will shine through. So interesting insight there from Greg. He also had a little quick note on where the All Blacks pack is at. Of course, we've heard this week there's been a bit of niggle in the camp. The boys are starting to get fired up. And I think it's an old cliche, but you've got to win this game up front. So let's hear what Greg Feek had to say about the AB's engine room. I think the best way um, to judge that for us is, is within our own camp. And when you see the boys get up from set piece um, with their eyes only popping out of their heads and really looking at each other and thinking now, you know, that that's what we need. And so that's that's one part of it. Um, but, yeah, tomorrow's the, the true test of where we're at. I think um, Italy will provide um, uh, a standard that we need to raise to and bring our standard, which is probably where we stand to the most. And the dynamic locking jaw of Brody Retallick and Scotty Barrett also fronted media ahead of this big game. And of course, a lot of chat has been around Sam Whitelock and his inclusion onto the bench, set to make history. But Brody, big guzzler, he's a fierce competitor and he is keen to make a big statement in this game as well. So here's Brody talking about his focus for Italy. In your experience, and you've obviously played a lot of big test matches, when you're playing a team like Italy, who obviously have a lot of passion, have a danger element about them, um, have a lot to play for in this instance. What what are the key things um, from the All Blacks' perspective? What are the key things you've got to take care of when that first whistle goes? Yeah, I think firstly you can't be distracted by what what um, the Italians may or may not bring. Like we have obviously previewed them and understood understand like a bit of their structure and, and how they want to play the game but from our point of view it's, it's nailing the moment you know from the get-go like we said the, the start is going to be massively important to swing the momentum either way but I think you know we can only concentrate on doing our job the best we can and then just trusting your teammate beside you left or right here to do that so if we do that together as a, the 15 on the field um, then hopefully we'll get the start that we're after. And Retallick there mentioned that the boys are going to need the fast start. And I truly do think it is key if we can score points early and apply scoreboard pressure, then hopefully this Italian side, who will certainly be up for this game, Kiwi coach Kieran Crowley, he'll have them 
looking to try and pull off the upset. Maybe they can smell a bit of vulnerability, but the question was put to Retallick and Barrett around needing a fast start, and here's what the boys had to say. How important will be, in your opinion, the first 20, 30 minutes in order maybe to not close the match, but put a stamp on that and avoid to have Italy on the back until 60 minutes or 65 minutes? Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the, the start of this test match is going to be uh, yeah, very very important. Um, I think probably the, the way uh, Italy have been playing, they, they sort of hang on in games and they are willing to grind away and um, I guess push themselves for their 80 minutes. So, yeah, the first 20 is definitely uh, going to be intense and um, physical and everything that a World Cup, um, you know, pool deciding match. I should have. I don't see them, you know, lasting 20 or 30 minutes. It could take 70, whatever it, whatever it takes. It's a test match with a lot on the line. So I think as, we, as we've previewed and talked about here, they're playing some very attacking footy um, when they get their systems right. So, you know, we need to be on for the full 80. Exciting stuff there from both those lads. And geez, just listening to Brody talk, it seems like he's so locked in at the moment and the boys are so intent on making a big statement in this game. So I can't wait to watch them go about their work tomorrow morning. And of course, this game is set to be played at Leon where the All Blacks have been based. But unfortunately, they haven't actually played a game yet. Game there. Sorry, a game there yet. And a lot of All Blacks fans have flocked into Leon to get around them. So here's Scotty Barrett talking about finally playing at Leon. Um, I guess, Scott, the, the All Blacks have talked lots about Lyon being a home base, how welcoming everyone is. You finally get to play a game here. Uh, how special will it be to play in front of a Lyon crowd? Yeah, no, the stadium here is uh, yeah, pretty, pretty awesome, spectacular, and I think um, yeah, Lyon's been a great base so far for us, and uh, the people uh, we've been around have been uh, very welcoming, so yeah, hopefully there's a few more black jerseys than uh, blue and an interesting point there from Scott. I see the All Blacks have been doing a lot of work with local schools and getting out in amongst the community as well. So hopefully we've managed to convert, convert a few French fans that were sitting on the fence. Maybe they're not as passionate about their home side as many others are. We can convert them into All Blacks fans because that could be massive come finals time. Retallick, he also spoke about the great man Sam Whitelock and how he's helped his career. But because for so long, those two have been the premier locking duo in our country. And of course, Sam would have had a massive effect on Brody's career so far. Brody, just back on Sam, from your personal perspective, you've played obviously a lot with him. How much has, has he helped you grow your game and develop your game into, into the player you are today? Um, I know you only came in a couple of years after him, but yeah, how much has, has your game benefited from, from having Sam around? Yeah, I think the the biggest impact he uh, has had was, you know, he was you know, the number one lock and had been in the All Blacks established before I was and it was just a competition to keep getting better and to get to his level and, you know, he, he has done that for so long which is obviously the massive achievement he's about to get and, you know, I think just by doing that and having the competition to even uh, this week, you know, even though he was named on the bench, he's still pushing everybody around the field and, and trying to outdo... Um, everyone so yeah I think uh, obviously playing a lot of test matches has been special but the competitiveness he has um, throughout the training week week in week out has uh, been the biggest benefit 
Great to hear Brody there talking about his old mate, of course, Sammy Whitelock. And it was interesting to hear Jimmy Marshall talking before as well. He mentioned just how big of a loss Sam is going to be, especially when it comes to leadership. I think a lot of New Zealand fans or ones that perhaps don't tune into games every week really do underestimate just how big of a role Sam Whitelock plays in this team. And I don't think he's one of those guys. We're going to realise how important he was until he's gone. So a huge occasion for Big Sam tomorrow and can't wait to celebrate him being the most capped All Black ahead of Sir Richie McCaw. What an achievement that is. But of course, Brody rocked up to this press conference with a slightly different look as well, which was a bit disappointing for us that love the good old-fashioned moustache. Here's what Bodie had to say about getting rid of the old lip. Um, oh, the Brody, upper lip it looks here. like you've shaved your moustache off for this match. Is, is there a reason behind that? <laughs> No, I actually shaved it off last week uh, when we didn't have a game, but yeah, the only reason is because I didn't have any clippers to trim it and I didn't trust anyone else's, so I just shaved it off. The tough stuff there, of course, if you're a big fan of the moustache like I am, you know, it was kind of iconic seeing Big Guzzler rocking that mow as well. I thought it added a bit more mana to him, but hopefully he's still got it on the field and no doubt he'll be flying into those collisions tomorrow, moustache or no moustache. And I've got to say, he does look pretty sharp, a different look for him, closely shaved. He looks the real deal. So maybe that's an indication that it's business time now in the competition and the big fella Guzzler is ready to go to work, right? We're going to throw to an air break now, and then we'll be back post that to talk you through the schedule ahead. Another huge weekend in the Rugby World Cup. You're listening to Rugby World Cup today on SENZ with Surly. Catch you soon. That's right, welcome back to Rugby World Cup today, brought to you by Kubota. Together we're shaping and building Australia and New Zealand. Time now for a bit of a look at the schedule, a cast the eye over the weekend's actions ahead and maybe come up with a couple talking points for each because while it's not quite the spectacles that last week has dished up, I think that Island-South Africa game will be hard to beat. There's still some big games coming up with potential playoff ramifications for a few of these sides that are right on the fringe of trying to make it out of their pool. So, of course, tomorrow morning we have the big one, All Blacks versus Italy in Lyon. We've already cast the eye over that one in pretty big depth, but I do hope that this is a big win for the All Blacks, a real statement, and hopefully in that 30 to 40-plus point margin she'll be a comfortable watch for us Kiwi fans, and the boys will show that we are right up there with the top sides in this competition. Sunday morning, she's a bit of a super Sunday. We get treated to a triple header, with the first game being argentina versus Chile. I'm expecting Argentina to be too strong here. Take nothing away from Chile. They held England scoreless for the first 20 minutes in their game before the floodgates opened. But this for me is a massive chance for Argentina to build some momentum and really ignite their campaign because for their first two games against England and Samoa, I didn't think they've performed to the level that they would have liked. They've got a huge game coming up for them against Japan as well next weekend. So a statement performance here is needed from the Pumas. Following that, we have Fiji taking on Georgia 
in a game which I thought heading into this could be a potential banana skin. I did have Fiji to either beat Australia or Wales and put themselves right into playoff contention. And I was worried that perhaps a Georgia side that has come a long way in this World Cup cycle could be that game where they slip up. But watching Georgia throughout this competition, I don't think they've quite lived up to their pre-tournament form. So I'm expecting Fiji to be too good here. And I tell you what, that would lock them into a quarter if they can pick up a bonus point win here. And I think the English will be sitting back, getting a little bit nervous, of course. They would be set to clash in that quarterfinal Fiji bet them a couple weeks prior. Do you think they could repeat those heroics? Would love to hear from you on the text line, double eight, double three. I personally think they could. And how crazy would it be to see Fiji advance to a Rugby World Cup semi-final? Getting a little ahead of myself there, but the fizz levels for that would be through the roof. Scotland versus Romania, the second game on your Super Sunday. And this, for me, is a game where I think Scotland will rest a few players, but at the same time, try and play themselves into some more form heading into that Irish game next weekend. Scotland, for me, they've been one of the great improvers in world rugby, and it's unfortunate for them that they are in a pool with Ireland and South Africa, because I think if they were in Pool C or Pool D, then they would well and truly be in the quarterfinal hunt. They still are, of course, if they could pull off that upset against Ireland next weekend. But I still expect a Finn Russell-less Scotland to be too strong for Romania here in what could be a bit of a tough day at the office for the Romanians. Then following that, on Monday morning New Zealand time, we get treated to Australia versus Portugal. And I'd love to be a fly on the wall in the Wallabies changing room at the moment. Portugal, they'll be licking their lips at the thought of taking on a wounded Wallabies side. Controversy galore. Eddie Jones, he's got nothing to lose almost. He needs to name a strong side here and try and make a statement. The calls across the ditch are calling for him to walk pretty rough and you'd have to think that the players will have to take some accountability for these performances as well but I'm expecting Aussie to bounce back and be too strong I know a lot of people are trying to will on Portugal but surely the Wallabies will win this game again keen to hear your predictions South Africa versus Tonga that is the final game for this weekend as well great to see Andre Pollard back in the Springboks lineup for this game I think the stage is set for him to potentially be a World Cup hero come in late bang all his kicks over and help them raise the trophy. What a fairy tale story that would be. You couldn't help but think sitting back watching that Irish game that if Pollard was in the mixer, he wouldn't have missed those nudges and perhaps that result could have been quite different for Tonga. Unfortunately, I don't think they've quite executed and lived up to the hype of their team on paper. Of course, stacked with world-class players, your Charles Piatel, Fikatoa and co. On paper, they look like they should be one of the top performing sides in this World Cup. They haven't quite been able to put it together prior to the tournament. They were also quite disappointing in the Pacific Nations Cup. So I'd love to see them come up with a big performance here. They won't be with Bifacida. Unfortunately, he's been suspended for the rest of the tournament. But this is still a side stacked on paper. And some of the collisions in this game are set to be ginormous. If you're a fan of big hits and physical rugby, then this is certainly a game for you. So that was me for Rugby World Cup today. I'm actually shooting off to Leon, about to start the commute. Can't wait to get amongst it. Hopefully watch a huge All Blacks win. And I'll be back here on Monday to recap that and celebrate one of the great weekends of World Cup rugby. So go well, take care, and I'll catch you back here next Monday.